bear with me this morning. Uh, we're going to be a little bit uh, different with uh, God's presentation this morning. Today, uh, we want to talk about the relationship that matters. Uh, we've been talking about family. We've been talking about relationships this month. But uh, this morning, we want to talk about the relationship that makes the other relationships work. So uh, if you'll stay with me, because I've got a video that we're going to show in the beginning. And trust me, uh, God's going to make this fit toward the end of the service. So Pastor Zeke uh, came into my office, uh, uh, I don't know, it's been a couple of months ago, and said, I've made this awesome video on how to fold a fitted sheet. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I thought to myself, you know, fitted sheets are made by Satan himself. And they cannot be folded, especially the fitted sheets that have the elastic all the way around. You, it, it, it can't be done. So uh, Zeke said, bear with me, let me show you this video. So let's go ahead and show the video. So after he showed the video, I didn't realize that I was folding the sheet correctly. <laughs> that I had this down right. Now, what you didn't see was Pastor Zeke threw the folded sheet, kicked the folded sheet, talked to the folded sheet. Uh, but uh, I, I have realized that there is a way to fold that sheet properly, similar to the way Pastor Zeke folded it. The, here's the key, though, guys. Uh, once you get it folded, uh, Mash it down as flat as you can get it. Put it in the closet where the sheets go. Put on top of it two perfectly folded pillowcases. And then you can't tell the difference that it's folded wrong. So uh, we're going to see in a little bit uh, actually how you fold a fitted sheet. But you're going to need to bear with me as we go through this morning because we, today we're going to hear about relationships. Third John, uh, first chapter, verse four, tells us how pleased God is, or how pleased John is, to hear that his children are walking in truth. But you know, we only walk in truth when we are obedient, when we are loving, and when we're in an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that relationship is designed by the Word of God. The relationship with God is the foundation of all the other relationships in our lives. So the Lord's word at time on this earth has been rare. Him speaking to others or sharing visions with others doesn't happen that often, or does it? People are not listening. Uh, people are not wanting to hear from God. In fact, they have removed themselves from God, and they have missed or we have missed opportunities for us to hear him and to be obedient to him. So, so often it's not that people are not listening because we know God nudges, he calls us, he speaks to us all the time. And so today we are asking at times, where is God in all this chaos that's going around? He's right here. He's here with us this morning. So it's not that he is hidden it's that our relationship probably is not as deep as it could be. 
You see, the Bible is about love and relationships. The most important relationship is between you and God. So let us start looking at relationships and hearing from God, and we're going to be in the first, first Samuel, in the third verse. We're going to begin with the first, uh, third chapter, first verse. So now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and he laid down. And the Lord called again Samuel, and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord in the word of the Lord, and not yet had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called just as he had before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And if, you, if you'll skip down to verse 19, we read that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So why do people have a hard time hearing God and discerning his voice? Well, today, unlike in Samuel's time, we have interruptions. These interruptions have got to the point that they define our lives. Our lives are full of gadgets that ping and ring and buzz and beep and vibrate their way into our lives, taking us away from whatever we may be focused on at the moment. Our brains focus quickly on one topic, but switches to another and then to another, each time a thought or a word in the conversation or a distraction happens to come by. So we constantly are rethinking where we are. In fact, right now, there's some of you that are rearranging your sock drawer. Some of you are thinking about what's going to be for lunch. And some of you are still thinking, what in the world is that first video he showed got to do with anything? You see, it seems that we're in a constant overload. One study found that the typical college student cannot go for more than two minutes without being distracted by social media. So we have a generation that's used to concentrating for two minutes. But it's not just that generation. Another uh, study showed that the average businessman receives and sends 109 emails a day. 
and that rate has grown by 7% each year. Instant messaging has increased by 11%, and Lord knows how many texts we get a day, and Lord knows who just got a text. There, is an impa- there are impatient centers now for people with technology addictions. At this surge of social media and text in recent years, it's giving in to the fact that there's, we have terminal distraction. People text each other rather than have a conversation at a dinner table. Relationships become dysfunctional. They become dysfunctional between friends, between families, and in marriages. It can be very difficult, and some would say impossible, to slow down and listen to God, but that's exactly what we need to do. If we cannot hear from God and get into his presence, what hope do we have? Is terrorism, is hatred, is division, is violence, and is chaos all that there is to life today? Is there a higher purpose? Are mansions, expensive cars, expensive clothes, Pulsions to collect more things than the other person has. To see how fast we can do things rather than how well we do things. Is that what life is about? Are those the reasons that we're here on this earth? Does all that bring joy and fulfillment to you? Are we meant to be self-centered and spend our energy trying to get to the top? Or is there another way? Is all the meaningless things that are going on in life that important? Is there a purpose? Hannah's, Hannah, Samuel's mom, wanted to have children. And she told God if she could have a son, she would dedicate him to God. She had a son, and she named him Samuel. And Samuel means God heard. Samuel grew up in the temple. He lived in the temple. The Bible says he slept near the Ark of the Covenant of God. At around 12, God called called Samuel. And again, as we heard already, he thought it was Eli calling him. He was not expecting God to speak, and he had not been listening for God. It was not something that people do all the time, to listen for God. And Eli realized that the Lord was reaching out to Samuel. And Samuel went back and he waited carefully to hear God's voice. You know, sometimes there are people in our lives, there are mentors, there are believers, there are teachers, they may be pastors, that can help us discern when God is speaking in situations. Other times it could be a stranger, a homeless person, an employee, a child, a doctor, or even that police officer that tells you to slow down, that is speaking into your life. When Samuel was prepared to hear God, and he stood there calling his scripture, says, just as he did before, Samuel was listening. You know, we can hear, but we cannot listen. Not that this ever happens in my house. But when someone says, did you hear me? We say, yes, I heard you. But then when the test comes, what did I say? It's like, huh, maybe I didn't hear you. No, in fact, it's 
The fact is, we're not listening. You see, no matter the details, when God calls you, your life is about to change. He's going to call you away from self and from self-centeredness, from selfishness, into a deeper love with him and your neighbor. You will not be the same. You see, if you remain self-centered, then you have not really heard from God, or you have heard what you think God said, or you have heard what you wanted to hear. So the question is, do you want to hear from God? Do you want to know the will that God has for your life? Do you want to know the will that he has for your relationships, for your marriage, for your family, for you at work? First thing you have to do is have a true, a true love relationship with your master. He must be the center of all relationships. If your personal relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be, then other relationships will suffer. That's not to say that even with a growing, loving relationship with God, that your other relationships may not be challenges, for they will be. But you will be with him. And he will show you mercy, grace, kindness, discernment, and forgiveness so that you can share that with others. For is that not our purpose for being here? To love one another. You see, after God spoke to Samuel, it doesn't say he went to sleep. Instead, it implies that he was very attentive and he meditated on what God had told him. And then when it came time, he spoke God's word to Eli and later to all of Israel. He didn't jump up and go, hey, God has given me something. I want to share it. He didn't jump up and say, I have an idea. Let me tell you what I think God told me to do. Or he didn't say, God, that's a great idea. Let me take care of this for you. He didn't try to see how fast he could make it happen. He was just that obedient servant that wanted to please God and wanted to glorify God and to bring him glory. You see, the first, first Samuel chapter 3 is about obedient listening. Clearly, there are those in this world that do not want to hear from God. And some don't want to hear from God because they are comfortable right where they are. So often they are self-centered or they are fearful of moving where God wants them to move. When you listen to God, excuse me, when you listen to God and act on what he's saying, then things change. You want a better relationship? Deepen your relationship with God Almighty. Listen to what he says about you. There will be transformation if you want to hear you want to hear how God will truly change you. Now, if you're praying for God to change somebody else, stop. Pray for God to change you, to give you more discernment, to give you more grace, to give you more good uh, mercy, to give you more forgiveness to others. Let God work on the other person, but let him work on you first. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 13, we hear the parable of the ten virgins. Now, in this scripture, it's hard to believe that uh, marriage rituals are a lot more elaborate than they are today, but they were. 
Once the groom had paid the price to the father of the bride, he would go back and prepare for his bride's arrival. And when that moment was right, he would go and get his bride and bring her to his house. There would be a great procession, and everyone in the procession would have a lamp or a torch, and it would be lit. You see, if you didn't have a lamp or a torch in the procession, then you would be considered a wedding crasher today, I guess. And you would be locked out when the groom got to his house. So guys, if you, and if you read the story, you'll hear that the groom tarried. He was slow. So when we hear of the five virgins that went to sleep here in a second, whose fault was it that they went to sleep? That's right, it was the groom's fault because he was slow to get there. But if you really read the story, you'll see that this is a story of relationships and it's a story of preparedness and it's a story of priorities for these other virgins. You see, the five that had oil could not loan the five that didn't have oil. And the ones without the oil left to go buy oil and they missed the opportunity to join the groom. Scripture says that when they got there, the door was shut. The bridegroom said he didn't even know them. Didn't we hear that from Jesus? Didn't Jesus say the time will come that there will be those that will cry, Lord, Lord, but he will not know them and they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, this parable in Matthew is like the story of Noah and the ark. There's a simple fact. Not everyone will be saved. You remember the day that is coming that he will return. So this, this parable is not about, is so much about preparedness, this is about relationship. How important was it to the five virgins that didn't have oil to make sure that they were ready when the groom came by? You see, they had the excitement for the banquet. They were moral, not godly. They were enthusiastic, but not enduring. They lacked the essential oil to endure. Oil in the Bible is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Without that relationship, there is no staying power. The Holy Spirit gives us oil that lasts. We read in the 119th Psalm, the 105th verse, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in the 18th chapter of Psalms, the 28th verse, for it is you who lights my lamp, the Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. Truly, the relationship with Jesus Christ is based upon being born of his spirit and into his family that keeps that love light burning. There's a story of a couple who were about to go on their first date and the girl was preparing herself. She put her makeup on, she got all dressed up and she sat and she waited and she waited and she waited and she realized, I think I have been stood up. So she goes, she takes her makeup off, she puts her pajamas on, she goes to the fridge, she gets a snack, she sits down in front of the TV, puts her dog up in her lap, and she begins to watch TV, and guess what happened? There was a knock at the door. Now, most ladies sitting here are going, don't be stupid, don't even go answer the door. But she got up, and she went to answer the door, and she saw him there, and when he saw her, you know what he said? What? I'm two hours late and you're still not ready? The 
The Bible assures us that though he tarries, he will come. All of our relationships are reflected on the depth of your relationship with God. Love God first, not self or anything else, and your relationship with him will grow deeper and the other things will fall into place. If you do for self and not for others, then you will struggle and you will miss opportunities to do for others. You know, there's an old saying, you miss 100% of the shots that you do not take. We need to be listening to God. The human relationship structure has been absolutely destroyed in this time that we're in now. It's not the way God intended it to be. Just look at the family structure today or the lack thereof of family structure. We have group structures. And the groups, quite frankly, most of the time could care less about the individuals that are in that group because we lack the understanding of the true relationship, especially with God. We go so often with the crowd so we can have a feeling of belonging, a feeling of worth. Trust me, you have more worth than you can imagine in your head with God Almighty. Relationships so often begin to revolve around an event or a thing. It's about money or it's about status or physical things, not the truth established by God for each of his children. We have worth and we are precious in his sight. But we do not see the truth that is that unconditional love that he has for us. We want to feel good now. We don't want the struggles. We don't want the pain of correction. We don't want the growth toward eternal life. We want immediate gratification for ourselves. And when we don't get it, we come up with excuses as to why we didn't get it. We begin to blame others. You see, when we work together and it brings us glory or a good feeling about what we've done, rather than humility of being obedient to God's calling to grow, we're wrong. Our growth should be with God. Our relationship should be strong with God. Our walk is with Jesus Christ. Folks, you can't walk and sit at the same time. We need to be moving in the direction that he wants us to move. Our relationship with God and with others starts with the cross. Fixing and strengthening relationships mean getting into God's word, praying with a focus on his will for you and for his glory. We need to stop blaming and making excuses and focus on fixing instead of focusing on Jesus. Our DNA is to be the way Jesus is. And each of us can probably remember the day that we were so excited about giving our lives to him, saying yes to him. Well, you know who does remember that day? God. Jeremiah 2.2 says, go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not shown. You see, God has not changed. We have changed. Worse than that, we have made every effort we could to change God. He is the same. He's the one that you gave your heart to. He's the one that you got so excited about when you became a believer. 
Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? We return in love. Shakespeare wrote this. Love sought is good, but giving unsought love is better. Perfect love is to love the one who disappoints you, the one who you're unhappy with. And that's the love God has for each and every one of us. If your love for God is not as intense as it once was, repent. Turn back toward him. He wants to restore you to that intimate relationship, to that joy, to that enthusiasm that you had in the beginning. He wants to show you love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and that original relationship. You see, if you become comfortable with your relationship with him because you think he has finished with you or you fear what is to come next or you think you, have, you are doing such a great job for God right now, seek his face. Seek forgiveness because he's not through with anybody in this room yet. He is continuing to work on you. But so often we fear what he wants to say to us and what he wants to do with us that we sit where we are and we tell ourselves we are just fine and we miss those opportunities that he places before us to share the good news. So we need to be vulnerable to God. He wants to mold you for his glory and he will protect you. You know, you cannot protect yourself from sadness without protecting yourself from joy at the same time. Jesus said, this is not going to be easy. But he will be with us. With growth comes pain. But let him be the focal point of your relationship, and you will endure that pain. Not just with him, but with others. Remember, God turned the murderous and proud Saul into the greatest saint in history. He can redeem us and all those around us to be his obedient servants. And also remember when we get an opportunity to share, it was Barabbas that invested his faith in God to bring Saul to the disciples. You know, sometimes we'll meet someone, we'll get an opportunity to share something, and we want to elevate ourselves to some high status. The fact of the matter is, everyone you meet knows something that you don't. The problem is not finding the answer. The problem comes when we decide not to face it. The truth does not evolve in our emotions. One problem today is that we believe everything we think. Right now, if, if someone met you, would they like you? In fact, if you met you, would you like you right now? Want to know the sovereignty of God? Look at how he's designed the universe. The sun, S-U-N, everything revolves around it. The sun gives us life here on this earth. But you know, as does the son of Christ give us life, he does so much more. For the sun, S-U-N, does so much more. Do you know that the sun takes the time to ripen the grapes? That seems really not that important 
but it is to God. And we're important to God. So often we pass off things as not being important. This last Thursday, my phone rang, and it rang twice. And before I could answer it, it hung up. And I thought, hmm, wonder why they hung up. And I immediately, uh, maybe less than a minute, got a text from this lady who said, sorry, I didn't mean to call you. And so it was an opportunity that God put on my heart. And so I texted her back, and I said, that's okay. There are no accidents in God's kingdom how are you and your husband doing? And she said, we're doing fine. I said, how did you fare during the storm? She says, well, we're without power, and we won't get power until Friday. This was Thursday, I believe. And I said, let's pray to the miracle of God that he will restore power earlier than what you anticipate. About 10 minutes went by, and I got a text. We have power. I could have said when she said, I didn't mean to text you. Okay. It's those little things. It's that ripening of those grapes. It's those little things that come in our life that are opportunities for us to be his vessels. That's how sovereign God is. As believers, we should be realistic with hope. We look at reality with confidence of a sovereign God and the power of the gospel and the authority of the Holy Spirit. One of the big relationships we have is in marriage. So we're about to show the second video on how to fold a fitted sheet. It's easy. We do it together. We do it in oneness, as marriages are should, should be, with God being that third strand. Lorena, if you guys want to come up. I want to close with this as I'm running out of time. We want to deepen our relationship with God by praying, by being in his word, and by listening and following his calling for each of us. fact of the matter is so many people just fear death don't fear death fear a disobedient life before God let him strengthen you and all things will fall into place he wants each of us to spend eternity with him (laughs) 